Hi everyone and welcome back to Mind Matters with Mia, a podcast where we talk about mental health and psychology on a relatable level. I'm Mia Yen, your host, and today I have a very special guest, Jake Wendell. I'm very lucky to be able to talk with him today. This is something a little different for the podcast. Jake is a firefighter paramedic who has training in critical incident stress management. I'm really, really excited for today, so let's get right into it. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good. Okay, so I'll get into the questions. Perfect. I know you are a firefighter paramedic, so what does a normal day at work look like for you? Yeah, so um, I actually, I work here in Santa Clarita. Um, and like you said, I, I, I am a firefighter paramedic. So my normal day job is working on either a fire engine or our, our paramedic unit and going on, uh, going on all types of medical calls, fire calls, urban search and rescue calls, whatever, whatever people call 911 for, um, we go on that on a daily basis. So um, I come to work at 7 a.m. And normally it's just, uh, we check out our equipment in the morning. We'll do our, our morning briefing where we kind of get our, our uh, information for the day, what's going on for the day. Um, we'll do a little bit of physical training in the morning. And then we, we do drills. We, do, um, we, ha- we have like a vast knowledge of things that we need to know how to do. So every day um, and every shift, we kind of pick a, pick a skill that we haven't done in a little while and, and we'll drill on that. Pretty lucky. I work here with, uh, with five other guys um, and I, I got a pretty close crew of guys that we're all really good friends on and off duty. So we have a pretty good working uh, relationship as well as a, a good friendship. Um, and so, you know, a normal day is, uh, there's no, uh, there is no normal day. Every, every day can definitely be different. Um, and we never really know what we're coming into. Um, and we kind of just wait. Once the alarm goes off, it can be anything from someone having chest pain to, to a bad car accident to a structure fire. So we never know, we never know kind of what the next minute's going to look like. Um, but at the end of the day, it's, it's a great job. <laughs> well, I'm sure the variety keeps it interesting. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And that's, that's something I love about it is, is kind of that unknowing and that kind of, um, you, you don't have, a, you don't have a lot of time to think, um, you, you get the call, you drive to the call. And when you show up to the call, you have to be ready to go at what, like I said, it could be anywhere from a medical call to anything. So you just got to always kind of be ready to go. Mm-hmm. So I know you said you specialize in critical incident stress management. Can you explain a little bit about what that is in like simpler terms and how does that kind of incorporate into your daily life at work? Yeah, so um, I've been lucky enough to also be trained um, and I wouldn't say I, I, uh, I specialize in it, uh, but I have been uh, trained and do a lot of uh, training on the side as well as a lot of work on the side in what we call critical incident stress uh, de- we call it debriefing on our job, but it's, it's the same thing, uh, critical incident stress management. And so really what that is, is it, we're, we call ourselves peer support members. And what it is, is one of the biggest struggles we have in the fire department is um, uh, that tough guy mentality. And that, that mentality of, um, we have a very, it's a very culture-based mentality where it's a very weird world that we live in, but it's, it's what we know. It's our, it's our normal, this, this weird world of of 10 days or more than that, living, living away from home, living at a fire station, um, going on all these calls, seeing all these different things. Um, it's something that people who are not firefighters have a hard time understanding. Um, and so what we do with our peer support is we, we focus on that I understand. I understand what it's like to be a firefighter. I understand what it's like to go on these calls. And what we're, what we're trained in doing is being able to just sit down and have a conversation with another firefighter that, that's in 
uh, that's having trouble, whether it be after a pretty critical call or a call that involves something that, that maybe just triggered that firefighter to, to have some feelings. We're kind of trained just to kind of sit down and, and open the conversation, have that open dialogue. It's more um, that we're trained to um, kind of have that open dialogue and just be able to kind of sit there and, and listen. And it goes a, a, a far distance, I think, because, um, and like I've told you, uh, I always joke that, um, that I was kind of born into being being a critical incident stress guy or born into being a pure sport guy because both my parents are psychologists. So I was raised in a household of psychology. Um, and so kind of always, um, and I know you, you've, you've studied a lot in psychology, so you kind of um, understand when, when I can just talk to somebody and I'm starting to diagnose all the things, you know, all the things that have gone on in their life, um, you know, and, and all the things and the way they communicate with people, I'm like, ooh, something's there. Um, you know, I want to dig deeper. and so. But I think one of the struggles our, our firefighters have, which is the same as police officers and military members, is when you go and speak to a psychologist that has no idea about the fire department, no idea about the struggles that we have, even as much as when I have to explain, you know, the difference between a fire engine and a fire truck, or when I have to explain like our work schedule to you, it, it's hard for guys to relate to uh, people that don't understand our job and really hard for them to kind of um, sit back and be like, okay, well, they understand what I'm going through. So what we do as peer support members is, is we're kind of that voice to understand what you're going through. I understand what it's like to go on medical calls. I understand what it's like to be involved in these, in these high stress situations of whether it involves a pediatric patient or whether it's a fatality in a fire. I, I understand because I've been there and I do that every day. And so it allows us to have that open dialogue of, of um, our firefighters being able to talk to somebody that is kind of in the know and is in the culture and able to kind of just sit down and have a conversation. And, and I mean, it could be anywhere from a, a formal sit down, hey, we're going to sit down and talk about this. Or a lot of times for me, I'm a very informal person. So for me, it's like, hey, let's go get breakfast and we'll go down and have breakfast and we'll just have a normal talk like friends. But on the side, I'm allowing them to kind of voice and as I'm sure you're aware, just being able to just to be a sounding board, just to have someone to be able just to talk and not judge and um, just listen and kind of have that uh, positive affirmation on the other side does wonders for people. So that's really what we do in peer support. We're just a voice of, um, and the kind of the official term is like cultural competency. So we have that cultural competency of we understand the culture and we understand really in real life terms, like what, what our firefighters are going through. Yeah, I 100% agree with um, what you said about like sometimes you just need for someone to listen to you and that's what helps. So I'm sure firefighters go through lots of stress in their normal lives. So what is something like out of the ordinary that would happen for someone to need peer support? Yeah, so that's a great question. And uh, there's really not like a, an official answer, right? It, it would be the same thing as, um, you know, what would, what would cause someone to, to go to, to talk therapy? It could, be a, it could be a multitude of things. And so one of, the, one of the great analogies, I think I probably learned it from one of my parents when I was a kid, but one of the great analogies is, you know, everybody has their glass, right? And everybody's glass is a different size. And everything that we go through every day, that glass kind of fills up with a little bit of water. And, and you and I can, can um, be at the same place, seeing the same thing, and you, and you might get a droplet of water and I might get a pitcher of water in my glass. And so everybody's glass kind of fills up. And when that glass fills up all the way is when that's kind of their breaking point. Um, and so what we, what we kind of do, there is no um, exact formula for like when someone will need peer support. 
But what we try to do is um, we have kind of like a, uh, not even an algorithm, but just kind of like a list of calls that our dispatch center has of like, hey, when these kind of things happen, you need to notify the peer support people that this happened, whether it's a uh, traffic collision that had a fatality in it, or if it, you know, a pediatric that was in a, involved in a drowning, um, or a fire that had a fatality in it, or when it's one of our members that gets hurt or unfortunately killed, those are kind of the, the signals that kind of, kind of light the siren. The siren goes off for peer support, where we kind of realize that this is going to be a high stress call. And, and again, we can go, can go, and I've gone multiple times out to these engine companies that have been involved in these critical incidents. And you talk to everybody and they're like, no, we're good. Like, and, and, and that's kind of always the scary thing in, in mental health, right? Is, is the, no, I'm good response. And I, I give that to my parents all the time because my parents are always checking in on me, um, involved in all of this. And uh, I'm always like, no, I'm good. And they're like, you know what? Like, I'm good means, right? That means you're hiding something. Um, but I will say like, it could be as much as, you know, um, a, a traffic accident that had nothing to do with anything, but it, it reminds somebody of something. And that was kind of that last final drop in the glass that filled their cup. So what we try to do is we try to come out on those high stress calls um, and kind of just let, let people know that we're out there, right? That I'm here, I'm available for you. You know, this is my phone number. You know how to get in contact with me. If you need anything, um, you know that you, you know that I'm here to listen. And I would say, you know, nine out of 10 times that when we go out to these things, there's no real uh, cry for help right then. But a lot of times what it is, is it's kind of that delay where it's like, okay, I remember Jake came out on this call and I was really fine on this call, but the, the next call that we went on, that one really affected me. And so now I'm going to call Jake. And so it's really just, it kind of lays out, it's different for everybody. You know, everybody reacts differently. Um, and, and that's one of the biggest things that I push. You know, we have, when we come out and we do our talks, we have like signs and symptoms of PTSD and the signs and symptoms of traumatic stress. And it's, you know, it's a one page document full of anything you could think of, of signs and symptoms of PTSD. Mm -hmm. And so what I always try to tell people is, you know, like, you're not going to feel everything on this list, right? And it, it might be one thing here, you might just have increased fatigue, and you might have um, unannounced anger, right? It could be totally different for everybody. And so it's more just, um, it's more of the recognizing when I, when I go out and I talk to guys after these, these high stress, you know, I tell them, that, hey, it, it's completely normal. And what it is, is what we want them to do is we want them to recognize what they're feeling and why they're feeling it. And then that's like, okay, something's going on. I need to reach out to our peer support members and then maybe reach out to mental health as well. And, that, and that's kind of what we do as peer support is I'll come out and talk to them. And again, I'm not, I don't have any special degree. I didn't do any extra college for this. This was kind of um, some training that we did on the side, but but I have no no medical background as far as mental health goes. Um, so what, what I do is I'm just kind of a resource to them to go, okay, I, I hear what you're saying. And this is something that really needs to go to a mental health professional. This is more than something that, that I can help you with. And I really think you need to go to a mental health professional, but it's more about them recognizing it. The hardest thing for us is that we can't really help people unless they reach out, you know, and uh, because people, and I'm sure you're aware, people are really good at hiding um, their, their mental health issues. Mm -hmm. um, and so what, what I try to do is let them know what, what to look for, what the feelings might be, what, what those mental health issues might be, and when they feel them to recognize them as traumatic stress, and then reach out to us so that we can help them. Yeah, and I really like that analogy you, you use, because 
I mean, from personal experience and everyday life, everyone's quote unquote breaking point is different. And it's like you were saying, it's really important to just recognize if you have a problem and need to get help because a lot of people um, like to hide it. And luckily the stigma is getting less, but it's still something not a lot of people like to talk about. For sure. And, um, you know, and, and the, I think the important thing, too, is, is to remember that um, it, it's not something that might happen right away. Um, and so for our guys, you know, they might go on a call right now and come back and be totally fine. And in three weeks, they might have a bad dream or they might all of a sudden it might hit them. Right. And it's kind of that delayed response. But it, it's important for them to uh, to realize that this could happen, you know, three weeks from now. This could happen six months from now. And it's more about recognizing and understanding what's going on, um, you know, and, and like flashbacks, things like that, recognizing those as what they are and then reaching out after that. Yeah, for sure. I wanted to go back to what you said about um, kind of like having something come up later. So how would you detect a shift a little bit later? And how do you bring your fellow firefighters to recognize that they do have something and they need to get help for it? Yeah, so um, I think that's one of the hardest things that falls under us as peer support is is kind of that follow-up. And, and you know, for, with our fire department, we have 3,800 firefighters. So obviously, I, I don't know all of our firefighters. Some of these guys that, that, have, that end up in these incidents, the first time I meet them is after the incident. And the, the, the first interaction I'm having with them, the first time I'm getting to know them is after this incident. So I don't really know them that well. But what I will say is one of the benefits that we have is what I kind of talked about in the beginning is this is um, that we all work together as a crew. We work with the same crew every day um, on our normal shift. And so I have five guys here that are, at, are as close, if not closer than, to me than my family is because I'm living with these guys. I'm working with them. They're, they're seeing me all day. We work in a small fire station where we can't hide from each other. So one of the one of the greatest um, things that we have is we have what we call we call partners. So we have partners at work. All the guys I work with are my my partners. So when we go on a call, I have my paramedic partner or I have my my engineer partner, right? And these guys know me. And so what we really try and look at is these guys all know that we went through the same incident together. And so we tell guys, we want you to recognize these things. We want you to do this. But then we also tell guys, hey, watch your partners too, because your partners know you better than anybody. And so for us, a lot of the time, it's not the actual firefighter that's recognizing his symptoms, but it's his fellow firefighters at the station on his crew that are like, hey, he works out every morning. He hasn't been working out with us. He's normally like the funniest guy at the table. He's been super quiet, super uh, withdrawn from everybody, doesn't want to be involved in any activities. He, he started yelling at a patient earlier, you know, things that are out, out of the normal. And those are the kind of things where, uh, number one, they'll bring it up to the firefighter like, hey, how's everything going? You know, is something going on? How are you feeling? And then that's when someone like myself gets brought in as like a peer support guy where I'll come in and I'll be like, hey, listen, like things, things are different. Like, can, do you feel different? And kind of go down that route with them um, of kind of recognizing that, that there has been a little bit of change in their, um, in their uh, personality and, and kind of trying to hopefully trying to get them to recognize where that's coming from and what's going on. Yeah, and I was actually just about to ask what are some common reactions to the high amounts of stress you guys go through, but it sounds like it kind of depends person to person. And especially with your partners who know you very well, you guys can kind of detect when there's something off. 
Yeah, and and a hundred percent, it's it's completely different for everybody, you know, and it, it's a whole range of things. Everybody has a different life outside of the fire department. You know, guys with kids react to kid calls differently than guys without kids, and you know, guys with older parents react to to older patients differently than than guys that have no elderly people in their lives, and so. Um, you know, all those things. And it, it, it would be so easy if, if we had, you know, that straight diagnosis. And I think that's what's so interesting about mental health is it's not so much a cut and dry A equals B, B equals C kind of thing. It, you really have to work through everything and kind of find the root of all this evil and start your work there. Um, but yeah, it, it's a different trigger point for everybody. Um, and it's just more about recognizing when that when those triggers become too much and when your glass gets full yeah and i like what you said about how there's no like perfect answer ever there's a lot of gray space so um what are some difficulties about your job well that's uh that's definitely where the, the stigma comes in um so like i said you know both my parents are psychologists and what I always bring to the table when I when I do my debriefings is, you know, I kind of say, you know, even growing up, I had two parents that are psychologists and it's so hard to believe, but I'm not a guy that likes to talk about my emotions too much. And even with two parents that are all about communication, all about like, you can never just be in a bad mood. There has to be a reason behind that. But I think one of the hardest things is, is that kind of stigma and like tough guy mentality that we've always had in the fire service where we have, and I'm sure you've heard it, you know, that type A mentality where we have that mentality of, we have a problem, we're going to fix it. We're going to get it done. We're going to move on to the next problem. And we have that tough guy mentality of kind of that suck it up kid mentality for the, for a long time. We're getting a lot better now, but for a long time, it was just that suck it up. Don't cry. Don't be sad. Move on to the next call. Um, this is what we do. And unfortunately, that hasn't worked. You know, in 2018 was kind of the first time where um, it kind of hit everybody hard, where in 2018, we had more firefighter suicides than we did actually firefighters die on the line of duty. Um, and so what we've realized is, is that tough guys suck it up mentality doesn't work. And guys are truly uh, more affected with the trauma that they're seeing than, than they're actually portraying and they're actually talking about. Um, and so we've made a hard push um, for mental health and there, that the tide is changing in the fire department, um, which is, is good. And it's changing in the police department and it's changing in the military where they're starting to recognize that mental health is a huge issue and a huge um, resource that we need. You know, for the first time, fire departments are, and police departments are hiring um, psychologists and therapists as actual full-time employees just for their members. And we have, in our department, we have our peer support team, which has 180 firefighters that are all trained like I am to go out and talk to guys and, and open the conversation and keep that dialogue up. Um, and to say that, yes, you just saw something terrible and it's okay to feel this way. It's totally normal to feel this way. Like you're not weak, you're not a bad firefighter, you're not a bad paramedic. This is a normal way to feel as a human being, and it's okay to feel this way, and we have resources to make you, to help you feel better. So the stigma is, is huge, and we still kind of, you know, some of the, the old, old school guys are still like, oh, don't bring that shrink in here. Don't, you know, they don't know, they can't relate. And a lot of, I think the headway that we've made in the fire department is through our peer support, where it's not just a mental health professional coming in that really doesn't understand the culture here, it's firefighters coming in that genuinely care and genuinely want you to feel better and want to listen to what you have to say. 
and I will say that that mentality is changing, but we still do have those, those, uh, those strong, stubborn guys that, that don't want anything to do with it. Um, and, and that's okay. You know, you can't force everybody. Um, we can't force people to talk. And, and that's totally, that's one of the hard things to understand, but, but as a good peer support, a good mental health professional, I think that's something that you have to understand that some people just don't want to talk about it. And, and that's okay. Like not, not everybody is someone that needs to talk about their emotions. Uh, but at the same time, it, it's, for me, it's more that they know that they have someone to reach out to when, when they do finally need that person. Yeah, and it's really good to hear that it's improving, but I can totally see why it would be really difficult because even from my perspective, like firefighters have the stereotype surrounding them where, like what you said, it's suck it up, we're tough, but it's kind of contrasting because what you guys go through might be, I mean, it is way more stressful than what normal people go through in their daily lives. So their mental health, your mental health is super, super important to maintain. Yeah, and it's so funny because you can have the biggest, strongest guy in the world right but you can't see what's going on inside of his brain and um and like like we've talked about you know everybody reacts different and everybody has those different trigger points and that's a hard mentality because that's you know that's what we like like you said like that's what I was growing up thinking right like firefighters are strong they're courageous they're brave they don't they're they aren't weak they have no weaknesses they can fix any problem you have Mm -hmm. and one of the hardest things I think for us is I always say you know we're problem solvers so no matter what the call is throughout the day, someone's calling us because they have a problem. It might be that their, their water pipe broke in their house and their house is full of water. Or it might be that they're having you know, incredible chest pain and we show up and we fix their problem. We show up and we're problem solvers. And the hardest thing for us is when we have a problem and we can't solve it on our own. And one of the hardest things for firefighters to do is to ask for help. You know, we're, we're totally fine asking another firefighter for help when we know that we've taken on too much. But when we have our own problems, the hardest thing for us to do is to say, I can't fix this. Um, because all we know, like I told you, we train every day so that we can fix any problem you throw at us. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, you get a problem thrown at you that you can't fix. And that's where a lot of the, the stress and the, and the depression and the, and the post-traumatic stress disorder come from is not being able to, to fix these problems that we're having mentally. Yeah, so I know that being a firefighter, like you're saying, is a very, very stress-inducing job, but I think stress management is something that can apply to any age groups and any job type. So how do you think some of the things you teach the fellow firefighters or talk to them about can relate to high school level even? For sure, and, and uh, I mean, high school, high school is, is almost as stressful. You know, like there, I remember when, you know, when I was in high school, it's so funny because um, when you're my age and you look back at high school, you'll be like, why was I even worried? Like, um, you know, but, but high school is a super stressful time. Um, there's so many things going on. And I think the, the most important thing and, and what I try to preach to everybody is being able to recognize a change in yourself or recognize that something's not right. There's an off balance somewhere. And um, being able to recognize that something's affecting me and being open to, to communicating and to talking about those problems. And, you know, your first stop doesn't have to be a psychiatrist. Your first stop doesn't have to be a doctor. Your first stop can be your friend, you know, a, a trusted friend that, that is just a good friend that likes to have a conversation and will talk to you. And just, like I said, that sounding board, that sounding board is huge, um, you know, and I'm lucky because, um, like I told you, I have my parents and my parents are kind of my outlet. 
Um, but I have sounding boards where, you know, I can, it's, it's just having that, that, um, that, that trusted friend um, or that trusted parent or a trusted teacher that, that you could just sit down and have a conversation with and just tell them everything you're going through and everything you're feeling. And um, I would say, you know, a lot of the time that's, that's all you need is you just need to kind of, you know, that old, uh, that old adage of you just need to get it off your chest is, is huge. Just being able to voice it and talk about it and kind of work through everything. And that doesn't just happen, you know, in the shower when you're having a conversation with yourself or in the mirror mm -hmm. that happens when you're, when you're having a conversation with somebody and at the end of it, you're like, well, okay, yeah, that's what I need to do. And the other person's sitting there like, great, we just had a great conversation. Like I didn't really give any advice, but I was just there to listen. And you know, it, it's not just like, you know, talking to somebody, but it's, it's kind of that, that positive affirmation of, of a good listener that kind of is making eye contact with you and like, you know, giving you positive, like, I, yeah, I, I totally understand what you're saying. And yeah, I get what's going on. Um, you know, and just someone that's kind of can be there that um, kind of like what we do in peer support, where it's someone that understands your life and understands like the things that you're going through is, is a huge, the, the peer level, the peer to peer level of kind of talking in mental health is, is a huge resource. And, I, and that's what I would suggest, you know, for, for high school students, for college students is to find that trusted someone to start with. And if, if after that, you're still having issues and you're still think like, oh, that I still think I need to talk to somebody, then that's when you start reaching out and looking for um, a school counselor or a mental health professional, you know, a therapist or a social worker. And that's really what talk therapy is, is you're just going in and, and these people are professional listeners and they're great. They have great advice. They have great ways to work through things. But at the end of the day, it's a great person to have a conversation with and for someone just to kind of listen to you and kind of um, give you feedback of what you're saying. And um, that common kind of uh, therapy office thing I always think of is like, so I, I hear what you're saying. And so what you're saying is, right? And so they kind of just repeat back to you and you're kind of like, yeah, okay, that is what I'm saying. Like, I am actually happy. I am actually doing these things. This is a great part of my life, you know? And just kind of having someone that to have that conversation with, I think is a huge resource for anybody of any age. Yeah, and sometimes it's just the simplest things, just talking it out. And that's kind of what can help people feel better. So I remember you mentioning this. So the last thing I wanted to talk about is your therapy dog. So I remember you saying you have a therapy dog. So how is your dog trained and what does it do when you're doing your peer support? Okay, I'll try to make it quick because I could talk for hours about my dog. <laughs> um, so so uh, the dog is a PTSD trained dog. He's trained by a, uh, a rescue called Paws for Life. They take dogs out of shelters and they trained them for, initially they were training them for veterans. And I reached out to them and kind of said, hey, we have, a, we have a need here in the fire department. And so they ended up training a dog, his name's Owl, um, for me. And what he does is, by all accounts, I'm a huge dog guy, huge dog lover. And I think, if nothing else, just having a dog around can, can uh, lift your morales up 100%. Mm -hmm. But um, but really, what what his greatest um, training is is we when we do our big debriefings, I'll do you know I'll sit down with with a crew of eleven or fifteen guys um, that were just involved in a big incident, and it's just me kind of talking to everybody. And so what Owl's trained to do is Owl's trained to alert to people with anxiety. So even whether they're kind of um, crying or they start breathing heavy, 
or if they, if they um, whatever their like little anxious movements might be, heavy breathing, um, kind of if they look down or they start fidgeting with their hands and looking down, what Owl's trained to do is Owl's trained to um, go around the room and kind of check in with everybody. And he'll go around, he'll be pet. He just looks like he wants to be pet. But when, when someone's starting to act a little anxious or act a little worked up or become upset, um, Owl will focus on them and actually put his head on their lap and then come back to me to make sure I've seen it. And he'll alert to me that someone's actually acting um, anxious or angry. And that allows me to kind of, okay, I need to focus a little bit more on firefighter so-and-so. Um, I need to, you know, maybe take him to the side and have another conversation with him. And it kind of alerts me a little bit more um, to keep me kind of honest with everybody and to make sure I'm not missing little social cues for guys that, those stubborn guys that don't want to talk are a lot of times the guys that need the most talking, but they don't want to talk. And it's amazing how much you can get someone to talk when they're petting a dog. Yeah, and we sometimes, um, sometimes we get therapy dogs at our school and it just immediately makes anyone feel better. Yeah, they're truly amazing. Yeah, amazing, amazing tools, amazing, amazing dogs. Yeah, so I could probably talk to you for hours, but I wanted to thank you again for coming on here and talking to me. I think a lot of people are really inspired by the work that you do and we're really grateful. So thank you so much for taking your time to talk to me today. We had a really great conversation. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm, I'm so excited for your podcast. I think it's, it's a great thing, especially for uh, school and for high school people your age um, to kind of get involved in mental health. It, it's a great, great start. So thank you so much. I'm, I'm truly honored to, to be a part of this. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.